0: We're talking about the miracles of Jesus, and we've dealt with a number of them. Uh, we're about half, little, halfway through ballpark, uh, where we is where we are. Uh, this morning, we're actually looking at a passage in which there are four miracles. I'm not going to take them in order, and the reason is I haven't, I haven't decided how I want to handle the first two yet. I don't know if I want to handle them as one or as two. So, uh, it, it's a passage where um, what happens is Jesus is going to be asked to go heal Jairus' daughter to raise her from the dead. And on the way, so that's going to be one of the miracles, and and on the way going there, the woman with the issue of blood touches the hem of his garment, and she gets healed. And then after that, what happens is Jesus is walking back, and two blind men come after him, and he heals them, and then he's going to heal a guy who's deaf. So there's like it's like bada-bada-bing, I mean, boom, 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 real quick that way, and 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 how that all plays out. So... Um, I'm going to take the two blind guys today, okay? So uh, that's kind of where we're going with it and, and how we're going to look at it. The story's in Matthew chapter 9, so we're going to look at that. Um, this, this particular story, the blind man, is only in Matthew chapter 9, so that's unique. Uh, most of the other, other writers, and you, and you need to understand this, when we look at the New Testament, uh, Jesus was here for 33, a little over 33 plus years, 33 and a third, 33 and a half, right in there. We know very little of his life before 30. Most of what you know in your New Testament is the three years of ministry. Out of those three years of ministry, if you would actually look at it in a, in, in a calendar kind of thing, it only covers about 50 to 60 days. So it, 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 I, I look at it this way. It's kind of like if I came to you at the end of your life, or you know, let's say you're 60 years old or 70 years old, I come to you at the end of 60, 70 years, and I say, Tell me the 10 big things, the the 10 biggest stories of your life. And you would hit me with 10 of them. It's kind of like the writers Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John look back over the life of Christ and they take the things that made the biggest impact to them through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So, consequently, if you actually start to look at and break down the stories of Christ, for instance, a lot of the physical kind of stuff is in the book of Luke. Here's why. Luke was a doctor. So a lot of minute details about the physical healings or the physical things you'll see in the book of Luke. Uh, Mark is, is talking about Jesus as a servant. So Mark, Mark, one of the reasons I've taken a lot of the miracles out of the book of Mark is Mark is the shortest, most concise thing. Mark is like, you know, if, you're, you know, if, if I ask you, okay, what did the servant do yesterday? You're like, well, he uh, made me breakfast, lunch, supper. And you summed up 24 hours. Uh, and one little short, and that's kind of what Mark does. So in the light, when he talks about the life of Christ, it's like, okay, here's five verses about a story that Matthew talks about for a whole chapter. Um, so it's very, very concise. Um, you're going to see it this morning in Matthew. Matthew's goal is to present Jesus as king. So Matthew emphasizes something this blind guy says in relationship to that when he calls him the son of David. And it's the first time he uses it. So as, to give you a little bit of background. So Mar- Matthew chapter 9, uh, here it goes. Uh, here is the story. It says, and Jesus went on from there. He's talking about healing daughter, da- or raising Jairus' daughter and the lady who touches the hem of his garment. We'll talk about those. But he goes on from there. Two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. Now, Stop here. This is the first time in the book of Matthew son of David is used. Okay? And it's a political hot potato term. Right? And here's why. They're in a Jewish area. When you start saying David around Jews, David was the greatest Jewish king in all of history. He wasn't the first, but he was the greatest. So the second you start saying son of David, every Jew in his mind says what? Hey, this is royal descent. This is king material here. Now, think about it from a Roman perspective. If you're a Roman, and you're a Roman soldier, Rome is in power. And Rome rules with an iron fist. And when you start saying, David... A Roman guy is linking that to king, which is linking that to throne, which is linking that to threat. So when these guys use this term, in the minds of most of the people there, this is a political term. This is a political threat. This is huge. And notice what it says. It said two blank, calling out Okay, so you get the idea that they're going, "Have mercy on us, son of David, right? Yeah, they're like screaming like crazy people. Um, the actual Greek term here's what, it, here's, here's what it has the idea of. The actual term has this concept of I want to get it right. Um, where is it? Screaming at great intensity. Then I follow this, you're Jesus, you're You've raised a guy from the dead, raised a daughter from, uh, Jairus's daughter from the dead. That's like big news. Some woman that's been, had an issue of blood for 12 years is now healed just because she touched your robe. You've you finished that and you're walking away and you've got two crazy people, blind crazy people, screaming at the top of their lungs, Have mercy on us, son of David. And you're going, Whoa, whoa, whoa I don't need this now. We don't, we don't, you know, look, we, you, thanks, but I don't, you know, quiet down. And notice what it says Jesus does. And when he had gone indoors, so what does that mean Jesus had done? Huh? I mean, he, he's ignored him. He's kept walking. He leaves Jairus's house and he starts walking. He's cra- these guys are crazy, screaming at the top of their lungs this. And Jesus is like, oh, i got to get, get out of here. And he goes into a house. And we don't know whose house. There's some speculation. But it was probably a house that he was very comfortable in. And notice what it says. It says, when he had gone indoors, the blind men come to him. They don't even let the, the and again, it's not like doors like this door. I mean, doors were, it's kind of like a, Those of you who are in Papua New Guinea, remember the huts? okay? It's like there's not a door-door, it's just an opening thing. And that was many cases the way the houses were there. So he would have walked in, and these guys would have followed him. And like I say, there was always a crowd following Jesus, so the fact that they could even get in meant these guys were pretty persistent. And they were blind, so that added another layer of difficulty, but they get in, and notice what he says. And he asked them, and this is where we're going to go today. This is going to spend a lot of time here. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now, to me, that seemed like the dumbest question in the world. But that's the key question of this whole thing. He looks at these guys and says, you really think I can do this? I notice what they say. Yes, Lord, we do. Now, they use the term Lord, and that becomes important. Because you've heard me say often in the Bible there are layers I think there's there's a couple layers in this story. I think, to our idea, we're talking about physical healing, physical sight healing blindness. But notice, they didn't ask for healing for their blindness. They asked for mercy. So I think this is not just about physical blindness, but this is about a spiritual soul need as well. They're wanting their soul fixed. Because they're asking for mercy. And, and, and Jesus says, do you think I'm able to do this? And they reply, not yes, but yes, Lord. And they go on. Notice what he said. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And, and, and that's why I think. Some people say, well, the faith, they needed faith to be healed. When it comes to healing, here's what we find in the life of Christ. Sometimes it was their faith. Sometimes it was another person's faith, and sometimes it was no faith. I think the healing here, the healing here is actually, the faith and the healing thing is really tied more to the soul than it is to the sight. And you can debate that all you want, but I I think it's really about their wanting to put their trust in Christ. They, They haven't asked to be healed from their blindness here. They've just said, show us mercy. And notice what he goes on to say. And he says, "Um, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Um, All of a sudden, now they can see. Now, you need to understand, blindness was a common deal in this time. The fact that Jesus touches them is unique because um, they couldn't see what he was doing. The only way that they could know what he did was by feel. So when he touches their eyes they realize he has done something, and it says that their sight is restored um, blindness was common I think we have six people that Jesus heals that are blind Jesus heals more blindness than anything else um, as far as individuals go uh it was it was a disease that was as common as leprosy during the time uh, just because of the climate and and and, and An eye injury was something that was very easy to get. Blowing sand, all that kind of thing, and that kind of culture. Uh, And again, remember the one person where Jesus heals the disciples out the question, was this man um, born blind because of his sin or his parents? Was often tied to, uh, uh, sickness like this was often tied to sin. And so it says he touches him, and notice what he says. He restored him, and he warns them sternly. This is, again, a very powerful word. He looks at him, and he says, okay, guys, now look. I want you to tell anybody about this. Okay? I don't want you to tell anybody about this. Now here's why, what I think why. When Jesus is in Gentile areas, like he was with the, the demon guy in the, in the cemetery, what did he tell him? You go back, you live in your, your, your community, and you tell everybody about it. That was a Gentile area. This is a Jewish area. And in a Jewish area, this is a politically charged issue. So if these guys go out, all of a sudden now people are going to flock to Jesus to be healed, and Rome's going to look at him as a threat, and it could short, shorten his ministry. And it wasn't time yet. There's going to come a time when he tells people to go tell him, but not yet in the Jewish world. So he looks at these guys and says, don't say anything. And then notice what that happened. See, no one knows about this, but they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. And, and, and unfortunately, in, in not listening to Jesus, They hurt his ministry more than they help his ministry. Um, But you have these two guys um, getting getting sight. Um, A short, again, a a fairly straightforward miracle. Two takeaways that, and then I'm done. Um, First takeaway is this. Notice that Jesus touches them where they hurt. He touches their eyes to give them sight. Um, I think it's an important principle for you and I to understand. God brings people into our lives, and when, when, when they do, it's important that we understand the significance of trying to to reach them or touch them where they are. It's, it's too easy sometimes for us, where somebody, somebody we start ministering to somebody, and we're like, okay, they need to know this, 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 and this. I say, wait a minute. They're not there yet. That's not where they are yet. Let's let us let let's, let's start with where they are. That's what Jesus does. He heals the physical blind the blindness, and I think he also heals, heals the spiritual blindness. But he starts with the physical because it's like, okay, let's deal with this first, and then we'll move on. It's the same thing for us, for you and I. You know, some of you are trying to reach. A wayward kid, maybe, or a grandkid, maybe, that's headed down the wrong path. You've got to start where they are, not where you want them to be. Um, some of you have come from um, backgrounds in which, uh, here, here's what typically happens somebody comes from another religious background, okay? They understand salvation, they put their faith and trust in Christ, their burden is to reach their friends. And it's easy for them to become so burdened for their friends that in their zeal they get a little crazy. Because they forget that they were there and they don't, they don't understand it. So they're trying to go, okay, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. It becomes overwhelming to them. Reach them where they are. Touch them where they hurt. Start with the greatest deed that's in front of you. That person in the office who's all grumpy, start where they are. Just try being nice to them. Try being nice to them. You know, um, I've learned this in counseling when I deal with married uh, couples getting married. You know, it used to be in the old days. You know, it's like okay, I'm gonna give you this, 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 this and this. Now it's one of those things where I sit down and say, okay, let's talk about where you are. Let's, let's do this assessment thing, and let's figure out what the big issues are, and let's start dealing with some of those first, you know? And then we'll go from there, you know? Because otherwise, like, uh, otherwise it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, you know? Uh, it's just too much. And so I understand that, okay? I, I understand that. Second issue in this story, and I think this is the big one. See that little question Jesus asked him? What does Jesus say? Do you believe that I am able? That's your question today. Do you really believe that God is able? I mean, really? Let's let's let, let, let let's not play games here. Let's be honest. Do you really believe God can fix your marriage? You really believe it? Or do you just like pseudo-believe it? And say, well, you know, I don't know, man. You know, my spouse, you know, it's like, I know God created him, but I'm telling you, he made some mistakes. You really believe, you really believe that God can fix it? You really believe that God can get your finances in line? You really believe that? You really believe that God can work in your heart to the point that you get to where you enjoy your job? You really believe that? You really believe that God can heal that fractured relationship in your family? You really believe that? you really, really believe it? He let these guys go, you really believe I can do this? Oh, yeah, we know you can. We know it. And I think that what happens in our lives is we say that we believe it, but we really don't. We say, I believe that God can heal my marriage, and this happens all the time. Some, somebody comes in and goes, hey, you know, we're having trouble doing that. I say, okay, let's start with the basics then. Okay, let's start with, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to both serve each other this week. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because here's what will happen. I'll serve them, and they won't serve me. Okay. Now, wait a minute. I'm not worried about them. That's their choice. I'm talking about you. The Bible says, submit yourselves in reverence one to another. Serve your spouse. You serve them. Well, what if they don't serve me back? Okay, maybe I I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'm miscommunicated this. You serve them. Yeah, yeah but what if... Oh, okay, wait, maybe I'm miscommunicating it. You serve them. Oh, yeah, but you don't understand. They just take advantage of me. You serve them. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. They'll, they'll just... they will de- make it simple for you. Do you really believe he's able Now, see, here's the thing. I don't care what they do. You're going to stand before God and give an account for what you did. Not what they did, what you did. You really believe it? Let me ask you this. You really believe that God can get your finances back under control? You really, really believe that? Because I'm going to tell you how you do it. You know what this book says? It's really simple. Every time you get something, you give a portion of it away. Oh, no, no, no. Then I'll have less money. Do you really believe? No, 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 no! you don't understand my finances. I can't afford to give. Let me tell you what I've learned. I've learned that if I really believe this, And I put God first in my finances that I can live far better on the remainder than I can if I kept it all to myself. That's why, by the way, you know what? What am I doing on Operation Christmas Child with the kids? What am I trying to teach them? I'm trying to teach them that you give something of value to you and put it in a box. Any kid could go out shopping and have mom and dad write a check for all the toys that go in the box. That doesn't teach you anything about giving. That doesn't teach you anything about putting other people first. But if I tell you to take one of your favorite toys, one of your favorite, like my, my kids, put, take one of your favorite matchbox cars and put it in the box. Take one of your favorite Lego cre- creations and put it in the box. Now... Now we're teaching you something about him. Now we're teaching you about putting somebody else before you. Keep going. You really believe? Now you guys do. I know you do. But do you really believe that you can give God a Sunday morning of your time and he will honor your time for the rest of the week? Do you really believe that? I mean, you do. You're here, okay? Ah. Uh, But how many times do we sit there and go, you know what? If I don't go to church, I can get so much more done. Really? you really believe that or not? You see, I think this is a crucial question for us. What do you really believe? You really believe, you really honestly believe, that if you do what this book says about you go in and you treat your boss with honor and respect, and if you're going to punch a clock, you punch in the full time that you punch in? That you don't cut one way or the other? That you don't take your break longer than you're supposed to take it? That you, you really believe that if you serve your boss this year as if he was Jesus Christ incarnate, that God will honor that? Or do you believe that you have to scrape and claw and treat people horribly to get to the top? You really believe that if you put yourself last, God will honor that? See, I think that little question right there, do you believe I'm able to do this, is huge for us. Do you really believe it? And that's my question for you this morning. Wherever you're struggling, work, home, money, um, neighbors, in-laws, outlaws, relatives, friends, family, uh, whoever it is, you you really believe that if you do what God tells you to do, he will honor that? Or do you think that just maybe he's got it wrong and you've got a better way? I've done it both ways. Here's what I've come to learn after years of trial and error. Every time I've said, I will do it your way, it worked. Every time I said, I'll do it my way, it was followed by a, Lord, help get me out of this mess prayer. Whatever you're struggling with, here's my question. Do you really believe what God says and what God's able to do? We just talked about it in Sunday school this morning, but you heard Andy Stanley's testimony of when he sat down and said, my prayer became, God, I will take care of my home, but you're going to have to take care of the church. How many times do we come to an issue where in our lives we put ourselves at the top and our way at the top? And I want to challenge you. If you really genuinely believe that God's able to do what He says, then I encourage you to go back to the Word of God to find out what, whatever issue you're struggling with, the Bible addresses them all. Find out what the Bible says, and then go back and do that. And then you will find He is able. And you will find, as the Bible teaches, He's able to do abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Talk to the people who were involved in this church in the beginning, and here's what we will tell you. I came in about a year and a half, two years into it. Never in our wildest imagination did we imagine this. Never. But we set out and said, there are certain things we're going to do a certain way because God says to do it that way. And we actually, uh, as an example, the way that we do money here with the boxes thing, okay. we had a guy who told us, I don't give it six months. I love talking to that guy because he's like, that's like the most amazing thing in the world. Um, And I'm like, that's right. Because if you trust God, God will take care of it. He is able. But too many times we're so afraid to take our hands off the will and do it our way instead of his way. So whatever your struggle, do you believe he's able? Because he is. So my prayer for you this week very simply comes down to this. We're challenged to put our faith in action. Jesus wanted to know if these guys could really believe that he could heal them and save them. Faith requires a proper attitude and a proper response to the person of Christ. And you know what? He is able if you will do it his way and not yours. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, so often we make a mess of stuff. So often, Lord, we think our way is so much better. And, Lord, after going down our paths, we start to realize that uh, you are right and we are wrong. So, Lord, help us. Help us to really wrestle with the idea of following you and doing things your way and not ours. Help us to really genuinely struggle with this idea of what do we really believe. And do we really believe, Lord, that you are able to do this? Or do we have more confidence in ourselves? So, Lord, work in our lives this week. Help us to trust you in the things that uh, we have uh, failed in trusting you in. And use us, and we'll give you the honor and glory to praise you since we ask in your name. Amen. Uh, let's stand together.